0: Good evening, everyone broadcasting live April twenty sixth. Today's quote again about anger. This time from the Visuddhimagga. It's under the teaching about metta. So in order to cultivate metta, you have to be skillful in overcoming anger. And there's this set of verses that uh, forms tonight's quote. So the first stanza is, if someone hurts you, uh, hurts you insofar as they can, they've done whatever they can to hurt you. That's That makes you hurt once. You You hurt because of the things that they've done. And then the the question is, the question you should ask yourself. So this quote is actually um, supposed to be directed to yourself. When you get angry about something someone has done to you, you should ask yourself, why do I want to hurt myself again? Why am I sitting here hurting myself uh, because someone has hurt me? Why am I doing it again? Why am I making it twice as bad? Why am I uh, helping my enemies? oh people who want to bring me suffering, why do I suffer? you think that anger is a valid response, a proper response to anything really? Buddha said if you're in pain and then you get upset about it, it's like, you have a thorn or a splinter in your in your skin and you take another thorn and you try to gouge it out you make it twice as bad the second stanza says in tears you left your family they had been kind and helpful to so why not leave your enemy the anger that brings harm to you so we left behind all that was dear to us to come to meditate, to cultivate spirituality we give up all the good things and all the good things or or, uh, pleasurable things in the world and yet we bring our enemies with us, right? Now when we get angry, why are we holding on to bad things? This is an admonishment, a self-admonishment for someone who is angry. Actually, it's um, generally easier to give up anger than it is to give up greed or craving. And so this kind of admonishment is actually quite, you know, it's, it's... Fairly simple. You just remind yourself that this is hurting you. This is harmful. The anger, the the reaction, the judging. This anger that you entertain. The third stanza. This anger that you entertain. And again, I'm reading actually uh, Nyanamoli's translation, so it's a bit different from the one on our website. This anger that you entertain is gnawing at the very roots of all the virtue that you guard. Who is there such a fool as you? Anger, greed, they gnaw away at our goodness. Gnaw, they chew at it. They eat away at all the good that we've done. It gets spoiled. You can be helpful to people and and charitable and kind but you can be then you're angry one time and you lose your reputation as a good person and it inflames your mind and it prevents you from enjoying the peace and happiness that come from goodness remind ourselves of how it's eating away at our virtue it's making us it's making us more coarse it helps us to give up the the uh, inclination to be angry to get angry In the next stanza another does ignoble deeds so you are angry how is this do you then want to copy too the sort of acts that he commits so you're this person has done something evil, and it is evil. And so why why in the world are you now, who, you who, who believe that it was wrong, why are you now doing the same thing? That's a curious point, because when you get angry at someone who's evil, you're joining them in their evil. In fact, the Buddha said, and it mentions in this uh, up above that it's worse to get angry back at someone it's a worse evil someone's angry at you and you return the anger that's worse because we all get angry anger comes and and um, if we're if we love each other then we we uh, we let each other vent when someone gets angry at us we appreciate what they're saying we listen and we, we try to calm them down and Uh, appease them in some way but when you get angry back then you start the fight you start conflict that's when the real problem is so and this is a good lesson you know we we judge each other very much and if someone gets angry we get angry back if someone is greedy we get upset at them If someone is arrogant and conceited we get angry and upset about the bad things in others and then, you know, that makes us just as bad. And moreover, we, we're we too critical, we're critical of ourselves and critical of each other. You know, when in monasteries, it's quite common for new monks to come and just criticize, roundly criticize every other monk, all the old monks, all the monks who have been there for a long time because they're not perfect. With this kind of conception that you're not perfect then you deserve to be criticized really if you're not perfect you deserve to be helped to be supported and directed and guided and pushed and prodded in the right direction sure but to denounce someone because they're imperfect that's not the buddhist way for for more reasons than one because it's useless it's unhelpful and because it's harmful to yourself as well next stanza next stanza just says that when you get angry at something someone has done you you do what they would have you do they want you to suffer and well bingo you're suffering and that's key because really other people can't make us suffer they can hit you they can denounce you they can scold you they can insult you but they can't make you suffer they can't make your mind suffer they can't make you get angry. I mean, it, it depends you know, how you look at it, but the point—it's possible to to be free from anger, no matter what someone else does. But once you get angry, angry—that's when the suffering comes. There's no question—you suffer when you're angry. You suffer when you dislike something. That's where suffering comes from. next stanza if you get angry then maybe you make him suffer maybe not though with the hurt that anger brings you certainly are punished now so when you get angry back usually it's because you are thinking of ways to retaliate right to seek revenge and so there's like well maybe maybe you can find revenge maybe you'll actually end up harming the other person and getting revenge we don't know; it's possible, but what's certain is that you're you're punishing yourself with your anger, and you punish yourself more if you seek revenge. If anger-blinded enemies set out to tread the path of woe, do you, by getting angry too, intend to follow heel to toe? You intend to follow these anger-blinded enemies if hurt is done you by a foe because of anger on your part then why then put your anger down for why should you be harassed groundlessly yes Why, why you aren't the one that did the you aren't the one that did the evil why are you suffering someone hurts you or attacks you or criticizes you or so on, that's their problem, why are you suffering, since states last but a moment's time, those aggregates by which was done, the odious act have ceased, so now, what is it you are angry with, mm, this is very much in meditation, the person who were angry at doesn't exist, the states that arose that gave rise to the event that we're angry at, that those have ceased. and we're angry at something, or worried about something, or when we're attached to something, we want something. That thing is only a concept. The Experiences arise and cease, and if it's a good thing, well, that good thing is not really good in any way, it just arises and ceases, comes and goes, and the same with bad things. There's no person who is our, en- our enemy. What are we angry at? What really are we angry at? What we're angry at is a memory, a thought, a thought that arises in our mind that is an echo of some past deed. And we get angry at that thought. Whom shall he hurt who seeks to hurt another in the other's absence? Your presence is the cause of hurt. Why are you angry then with him? Yes, we're angry at ourselves, actually. It's our own mind states, the thoughts that arise in our own mind. The person who did this deed, if someone sits in and is very angry at another person, it's nothing to do with the other person. It's you, yourself, are hurting yourself. You're angry at, at thoughts that arise in your own mind. Nothing to do with the other person. So this is to do with anger. Um, but... More generally, it's uh, the idea that only we can hurt ourselves. And and happiness as well has to come from within. Happiness can't be based on a thing. And suffering doesn't come from things. Happiness and suffering don't come from the outside. They come from within. It's quite simple. Our state of minds determines our state of happiness not the world around us. This is crucial. It's a a specific Buddhist doctrine that happiness and suffering come from the mind. This is clear. So a big part of our practice is learning to be objective and to see the experiences that come from external or that come, you know, come from the body and the mind and to see them with wisdom to cultivate a a relationship with experience that is free from likes and dislikes to be objective and to see things as they are because when you do it's not they not there's not intrinsic likability or dislikability uh, attraction, attractiveness, or um, unattractiveness. It's not a quality of things. And so when we look at things as they are, we 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 find that they're not attractive we, we we don't give rise to the attraction attraction and aversion they come from not seeing things as they are that's key as well because it could be otherwise- Mo- mostly we think it's otherwise we think that some things are intrinsically beautiful or desirable some other things are not are are intrinsically uh, uh, dis- dislikable you know a cause direct cause for disliking that's not true when you see things as they are it's only because delusion that we because of delusion that we because of misconception that we have desire and aversion so so that's our dhamma for tonight If you're interested in the Visuddhimagga, we're actually studying it on week on Sundays, but we're most of the way through it already. Um, is I, I appreciate Visuddhimagga. It's—it's um, it's a sort of more like a manual, you know, or a reference guide. It's good for teachers also good for meditators, uh, you know, experienced meditators, I think. There's just so much in it, so many different, you know, like this set of verses is quite useful. That's from the Visuddhi Manga. You two can go. You don't have to stay. I'm just going to answer questions if people have... in New York um, the monk I was staying with in New York doesn't doesn't like the Visuddhi manga. Uh, or the commentaries or the Abhidhamma which is very common with western monks especially in the Ajahn Chah group they, although he's not exactly with the Ajahn Chah group they're so keen on the suttas which you know is great the suttas are just the most pure But, you know, they're not, you know, the suttas are not the only source of, of Buddhism. And uh, the suttas are talks that were given, mostly that were given to the monks given to, or given to certain people at a certain time. And so they have to be interpreted, especially you know because we're so far removed from that time and that place. And so no matter what, you have to explain the suttas. And so either you follow the commentary explanation, the Visuddhimagga explanation, or you follow some modern commentator's explanation, and it turns out to be no better. It turns out to be actually usually worse, I would say, I would argue. Worse in the sense that whether you agree with it or not, um, far less rigorous, far less objective, far less comprehensive, far less in-depth. And the Visuddhimagga just... It's incredible work. If you disagree with it or agree with it or disagree with it, it's amazing that someone actually wrote it because it's huge and it's so in-depth and it's got so much in it. I remember I was giving a talk when I was in Sri Lanka last time and uh, the, the man who was translating for me refused to translate because I was quoting the Visuddhimagga and he said, oh, we don't follow the Visuddhimagga here. That was a first for me. I was giving a talk, and the translator wouldn't translate. I think I was saying something mean or evil. So it's a contentious. The Visuddhimaga tradition is fairly contentious to some people. Most of orthodox, most Theravada societies, uh, for the most part, they follow the Visuddhimaga. In Thailand, it forms the latter part of one's Pali studies. So, any monk who studies higher-level Pali will have to translate the Visuddhimagga into Thai and then translate Thai passages, Thai translations of the Visuddhimagga back into Pali. So they have to really memorize. Many of them, basically, I think, will memorize the Visuddhimagga in 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 Pali and English, which is impressive in itself. I mean, maybe not memorize, but come close. Any requirements for taking up taking a meditation course at our center? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, if you're coming alone and you're under sixteen, I think we'd have to have a talk about that. I don't know. There's. I, I would. I would imagine having people under sixteen coming and doing courses is problematic unless we talk to their parents. I think 16 is probably and as for upper age limit it's more to do with your health you know if you're able to do walking and sitting meditation for hours a day it's fine you know you can sit on a chair if you have to but oh i don't know robin i, I'm, I haven't really thought about the future I mean, there are some other things I'm looking at, actually. That, uh, like, Actually, the Anguttra the Nikaya is a good volume, and I've started maybe um, collecting some, some good suttas from it. A new set of robes for my trip to Asia. You know, the funny thing about these robes, they're fairly new, right? But they came with holes in them. Like, I think they were mouse-eaten or they were ripped or something. Because in my back, there's actually little holes. I probably should sew up. Um, Not not that that's here or there. But, uh, no, these are fine in Asia. It'll be a little hot. But, you know, this upper robe I don't wear a lot of the time. When I'm in my room, I I rarely wear this. Sometimes I'll just go bare chest, or sometimes I have a a basic, what's called an angsa. It's just a very thin uh, shoulder robe, shoulder cloth. But uh, but these aren't that hot, it's just cotton, so it's actually not that hot. But it's going to be hot in June. So I'll try to go up and live on the mountain. I'm going to try to go up on a mountain in Sri Lanka, arguing with Sanka about that. Sanka wants me to stay in, in Colombo for two weeks. I'm trying to push to take a week out. He says a week isn't enough. I know it isn't. I mean, a month isn't enough. I could spend months in Sri Lanka giving talks every day, but not really keen on it. Um, and then in Thailand, maybe go back up on the mountain as well. Probably not stay in Chiang Tong very long because it's probably pretty hot in June. Unless it started raining, it should be okay. But Do we only have a few months left? Have we really gone through most of the year? That we started. When did we start? August or something? July maybe. Hmm. Time flies. Tempest, tempest fugit. Time flees. Okay. Anyway. Good night, everyone.